Okay, good evening. We're continuing our series uh, of the Talmud. I believe it's today number 23. And we are in Masechet Megillah. We will finish it and go to Masechet Chagiga today, Bezrat Hashem. Uh, the Gemara, if you remember last time, uh, we finished with uh, what's the halacha of buying Sefer Torah of selling uh, old Sefer Torah in order for us to buy a new Sefer Torah. And I gave many examples about when it's permitted, when it's not permitted. So that's where we ended last time. Today, uh, we're continuing. And uh, the Gemara says like this, Sha'alut al-midav shel rabbi zakai bameh yamim. It says, uh, the Gemara now begins to speak to a few different rabbis but a few different rabbis and they want to know what made them live so many years what, happened, what made them live so many years so if you remember last time we also spoke about Rabbi Zakai, he lived 100 Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai lived 120 years he fulfilled his whole life 120 years, the maximum and uh, they asked him what was the reason that you were so successful to live such a long life because Arichut Yamim, it's a gift. No, Hashem doesn't owe a person to live 120 years. We see many people die even younger than half of that. Uh, so we went over the list. One of the things is that he used to respect very much his mother. He had one mother, and the Gemara was giving an example that he was respecting her. He wasn't calling names to people. He was very modest, etc., etc. Today I continue with Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha. His student asked him, how did you live so long? So here it's a little bit strange because he said to him, what, are you tired of my life? You're wishing me to die? You know, if you, imagine you come to an old person, you tell him, hey, why are you so, how come you're so old? So what, you want me to go? You don't have patience? He said, no, Rabbi, God forbid, Torah is... It's Torah, I'm trying to learn from you, to do the same thing. So he told him, I never looked in my whole life in the face of a wicked person. I make sure, well, how do you know who is the wicked, who is righteous? But it's not so difficult. First of all, you know that... Uh, well, today, today it's a little bit more complicated because today you have people walking in the street without yamaka that can be more righteous than people who walk with yamaka. So today it's difficult. But in the old days, by the, by the look of a person, you could tell who is a tzaddik and who is not. You're not allowed to look at the image of a face of a wicked person. And Rabbi Elazar says, if you do that, you lose your eyesight, your vision becomes not so good. Shneemar, when he got old, he started to become more and more blind. Why? Because he looked at the face of Esav, his son. His son was wicked. He had no choice. He's speaking to him, so he looked at him. And that's what caused, that's one of the reasons. There's other reasons, you know, why he lost his eyesight. But this is an example. Then the Gemara says, Rabbi Zera. Rabbi, the student of Rabbi Zera asked him, how did you live such long life? He said, I was very, very humbled in my home. I never got angry. I always gave up. I never walked in front of a person that I knew is greater than me in Torah. 
whenever I was in a place that is filthy, dirty, which means bad smell or all kinds of things with the animals. In the old days, the animals used to leave their, their bathroom in the middle of the road. So sometimes these places you're not allowed to talk divrei Torah or even to think divrei Torah. Uh, or when a person goes into the bathroom, uh, even though today the bathroom is very, very clean compared to the bathrooms they had, they used to have bathrooms that everything stayed there, can stay there for months. Yeah? So it's uh, until they come and they cover it with a pile of sand and then they create a new bathroom. That's how it used to be, very primitive. And he said, I never thought about divrei Torah. I was able to control my mind, not to think words of Torah inside a filthy place. I never walked in my whole life four steps without a feeling in Torah. Four steps in my whole life I didn't walk without having feeling on my hand. No, that's obviously put us all out of the picture because to do such a thing in your whole life, I, don't, I doubt it if there's any person that can do that. I never slept inside the yeshiva, put my head down or anything like this. Not even a temporary sleep, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, you know, nothing. I was never happy when I saw my friends had a mistake, made something, or, you know, I, I, I was, uh, you know, I was thinking about my friends the way I think about myself. And uh, also, I never made fun in any other individual, never called them names, never put them down, anything like this. This is what he was able to tell about himself to his students. The Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai wrote the Zohar, and he said, come and learn how much God loved the nation of Israel. Every place they went in the exiles, they went to, from one place to another, Hashem moved with them. They went to Egypt, Hashem went to Egypt with them. How do we know? It's a verse. I revealed myself to your fathers and, and grandfathers when they were in Egypt. So you see that I was in Egypt. They went to Babylon, this exile which came later. Hashem went with them. Why? The prophet Isaiah, Yeshaya, 43, what does it say? For you I went Bavela. Bavela means to Babel, to Babylon. Babel, yeah? And when the salvation will come, days of the Messiah, the Mashiach will come, Shechinaimahem, Hashem is also going to follow them. Shenemar v'shav Hashem elokecha et shvutecha v'richamecha. Ve'eshiv lo neemar, ela v'shav. It should have been ve'eshiv Hashem elokecha et shvutecha. Hashem didn't say shiv, it says shav. Shav means return. Hashem returned with them from the exile to the Holy Land. You understand? Ve'eshiv means sending someone, but you stay in your place. Shav means returning with them. This is the words of the Pasuk. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, ten people who read in the Torah. This is what we do on Monday, Thursday, on Shabbat, in Mincha. Hagadol Shebaem Golel Sefer Torah. The greatest out of all the Kibudim, you have Kohen, Levi, Shlishi, seven Olim, you have Maftir, you have Ptichat Aichal, some places. You know, you have Otsat Sefer Torah, and, and a different person sometimes do Akbar. Some places it's both, it doesn't matter. And by the Ashkenazim, they have this Golel, Glila, that one person roll it and close it and put back the parochet on it. 
Uh, by the way, this is uh, a little bit of a proof that the original way of the Sefer Torah is like the Ashkenazim. Sfaradim, they put it in a big box, case, silver, wood. It's easier to read and it's easier to make it stand. If you don't have it like the Sfaradim, it always have to lay down or you have to lean it on a wall or something. Otherwise, you cannot stand on those two little handles. But the original way, there's few places in the Talmud that you can see that the original way was the way the Ashkenazim have. Two scrolls and two sticks. There's one Gemara that people wanted to grab the Sefer Torah, each one grabbed it to his sides and accidentally ripped in the middle. Something like this could never happen if it was with a Sefer Torah of Sfaradim in a box. You can pull as much as you want, it wouldn't rip the cloth. So here is a proof that it used to be 2,000 years ago the way the Ashkenazim have. It's not really important so much, because as long as you have the same scroll, you cover it one way, this way, it's not so important. Okay, now, uh, so it says here, from all the aliyot, which one is the best one? Believe it or not, the one who finished, the one who closed it, put the things around it, cover it, golelo notel sachar kulan. The one who finished it and covered it like this, is taking reward like, the Gemara says, take the reward of Kohen, Levi, Israel, Sishiva Oli, Maftir, Ptichat Ha'echal, taking Sefer Torah, Agba'a, all of them combined, the one who makes Glila, is taking it. That's why I'm a little bit surprised that usually by the Ashkenazim they give it to the kids. Usually they take a kid, 10, 11, 12 years old, 13 years old, whatever, they always give it to the kids. I, the only explanation I can come up with is that since the, everybody reads this, it's also Alachayn Shulchan Aruch. Now I'm reading to you from the Gemara, but it's also Alachayn Shulchan Aruch. Since it's the, 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 everybody knew that it's the most important mitzvah, and they always have to give it to someone, so they decided to give it to kids that nobody will be jealous. Ah, kids, okay. But if they give it to this person, then he wants, and he wants, and he wants, and everybody wants it, because it's the biggest mitzvah. That's the only thing I can come up with, unless if you have a better idea. Then the Gemara says, Tanu Rabbanan, Maase Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka, the son of Broka, and Rabbi Elazar Hasma, two Chachamim, they went, they went to welcome uh, Rabbi Yoshua in Pkiin. Pkiin is the name of a town, a city. He asked them, Why did you learn today in Yeshiva? Yeah? So they say to him, they say to him, we are, we are your students, right? We are your students, and we drink from your water. It's an expression that everything we know we learn from you. So you asking us, what did we learn today in Yeshiva? For sure you know. He told them, no, say it anyway. It's Shabbat. Give me a chidush. Let's hear. Let's hear who said it. So it says, who was the one who spoke today? Because every week somebody else was speaking. It said it was the Shabbat of Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. He was the a new president. He was only 18 years old. Hashem made him a miracle that the front of his beard became white overnight. Because uh, the previous president, Rabban Gamliel, which was old, they asked him to leave his position, and they put that young Rav, who was going to give respect to 18 years old, right? So, so now, so every, 
So they used to say, Rabban Gamliel, one is saying three weeks, and one say one week. That's how they used to share it. Today was the turn of Rabbi, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. So what did he say? He asked them. He said he was speaking about mitzvah hakel. Every seven years you have to gather the nation of Israel. You read in the Torah. You make sure nobody made a mistake when they copied the Torah. Anashim v'anashim v'ataf. The men, the women, and the children, they all come to Yerushalayim. Why? It's, so, so this is what it says. Anashim ba'im lilmo. The men, we understand, they come to learn Torah. Women come to hear. Children, why they come? You drag them all the way there. Children, little children. Why? To duplicate the reward of the parents that carry them all the way. That's the reason you bring them. So he says to them, you had such a jewel in your hand and you didn't want to share it with me. He was the big Rav. He told them such a nice chidush you heard from Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah and you didn't want to tell me. Which means we learn this whole story is coming to teach us one thing. You carry your children, you're taking them, you're bringing them. That automatically makes your reward greater and greater. But this is in a condition that they're not younger than five years old. If they're five years old and younger, well, not only it's not mitzvah, it becomes a sin. Why? They make noise in the shul, they run around, they, you know, they throw their candy on a rug, or all kinds of things that they do. It disturbs many people, people get angry, people lose their patience, people begin to hate their parents for bringing them every Shabbat and ruins the atmosphere to everyone, and it creates tons of problems. When in reality, kids younger than six years old, they consider 100% like monkeys. If you have a monkey, you bring him to shul, what do you do? You put him on your shoulder? What's the point? Do you understand anything from his life? Anyway, they don't understand. Three, four, five, some of them are even in diapers, they bring them in, they smell the whole area. It's not a mitzvah. Yeah, and you should tell it to everybody else. Up to five years old, they dismissed. Leave them at home. Sometimes women bring their babies to the shul, and in the beginning of Tefillat Shemunah they begin to cry. What for? Because she wants to come to shul. A woman that has babies have no obligation to come to shul whatsoever until all her children are older and they, they're independent, they can do it on their own. She doesn't have to come to shul. I may take 20 years, because every two years she has a new baby. Doesn't matter. She doesn't have to come to shul. She can pray at home. She doesn't have an obligation. The obligation is more for the men, they come in Minyan, and, we, and it's pretty obvious. Then Maase Shaya, Rabbi Yossi ben Dormaskit, that's his name, Shalach lekabel et pnei Rabbi Elazar belod. He went to welcome Rabbi Elazar in the city of Lod. Lod, today it's where the airport, the airport in Israel, it's in Lod. I doubt that if it's the same Lod, because we are talking 2,000 years ago, you know, maybe yes, I don't know. But he went to welcome him. Amar lo, midrash. He told him, what did you learn today in yeshiva? You see, those people, they didn't care about anything else. The only thing they were talking about is Torah. He didn't ask him, how is the weather by your place? How is the people do there? How is business over there? How is the economy in your city? You know, what's with your uncle? To talk about bad things, for sure not. But even things that are permitted, they don't want to waste time. Person have X amount of years, you better take advantage on it. So right away, they meet each other, no, tell me it's a nice Dvar Torah. I know people like this today. You come to them, they say hello, right away. Oh, I saw this beautiful Chidush, he brings a book. 
There's nothing else you can talk to them about. Anything else you talk to them about, right away, you see, within a minute they disappear. Why are you wasting their time? That's how you know, by the way, the level of a person. If you want to know if a person is holy or not, you have to wait five minutes around him and see what he's talking about. If he talks about how great is the whiskey, black label, green label, the vodka, that kind of company, then you know he's close to zero. If, you know, right away he talks about, did you hear, the rabbis are arguing about the giur, what's the real conversion, like this opinion, like that opinion, it, the Torah and the truth of the Torah, that's his life. You know, you cannot talk to him about the new Honda that came out, or the new light bulb that came out, or you heard that there's something new now, they're making new roads, I don't know, all these things that happens every day, he doesn't care. No, he doesn't care about these things. You talk to me, talk to me things that Hashem will be enjoying to listen to us. You understand? This is it. This is the level of a person. Now they said, now he's telling them, you want to hear what we learned in Bet Amidrash? No? What? Amon Moab, the city, the people, the nation of Amon and Moab, you know, these are descendants of Lot from his daughters. You know, it's very interesting. They want, the Gemara wants to show you here the, the power of his speech. Since all his life he only spoke words of Torah, nothing else, never nonsense. So he told him, Rabbi Elazar, that's his Rabbi, he told to his student, put your hands forward and accept your eyes, which means get ready, your eyes are falling into your hands. Why? Why got so angry at him? Why? Rabbi got angry at his students. He told him something like this, he's so impressed by it. It's like a chidush, big deal. He says, it's Alachal Moshe Misinai, everyone knows it. You know? Shama mirabo, mirabo. He says to him, later, after a few minutes, get ready, your eyes are coming back to their place. Which means, we, don't under, we have no understanding what's going on. It could be that it's an analogy, it could be, could be an example, it could be just to give us an idea. It could be literally, as it is. Why? Because we found people that, uh, in history, with the power of Kabbalah, they are able to interfere with the law of nature. Like one rabbi came and he saw his son, we learned about it, that he made figs grow on a tree, not in a season. Why? Because there was nothing to feed the workers. By the time his father came, he was late, he told him, how come they all, they're all eating? He said, well, I had to feed them for you. So I made a tree, it gives us some fruit. So he told him, the same way you interfere with the law of creation, blah, 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 his son died. You know, he didn't forgive him for that, for... for for bothering Akadosh Baruch Hu to make a clear miracle for these workers. Like, who, who are they that you had to make them such a miracle? They'll wait another half an hour to eat. What's the big deal? Okay, let's move on. We are now in Masechet Chagiga. The Gemara says, someone who makes a sin and regret right away. So right away, his forgiveness begins. Person made a sin now. Two minutes later, he already begins to regret. Wow, what did I do? What have I done? Such a fool. I always make the same stupid things. I promise that I won't do it. Since he begins to regret, right away, his tshuva begins. 
slowly, slowly the sins, the punishment that he deserved begin to die. Sheneemar, the prophet Malachi, Malachi. Third, Velo irauni, airuni mochalim lo miyad. Velo yereuni, not iruni. What's the difference? Iruni means they'll see me. Iruni, that means fear for me. Velo irauni. Why Hashem? Hashem complained that the nation of Israel have no fear from him, as they should. So the Gemara says, Ah, if they had fear, Hashem would not complain. You see, what bothers Hashem more is that there's no fear, more than the actual sin, that there's no irat shamayim, no fear and no respect. You see, when your son does something wrong, there are, there are two problems here. One is the actual sin that he did, and there's something that is actually worse. What is it? That you know that the reason he did it because he disrespect you as his father. If he would respect you as his father, he wouldn't dare to do it. So now there's two issues here. I don't know, he stole a fruit while you were standing right next to him, in front of you. He stole a fruit from someone. I don't know, whatever. Something that, after all, it's not the end of the world, right? But what got him to do it? If he had fear and respect to his father, he never do, dared to do it. So the fruit is no big deal, it's a quarter. You give a quarter to the owner and you're done with the sin. But not fearing me, it's a serious problem. You cannot give a quarter and correct the problem. Then it may take months, it may take years, it may take forever. And that's two different things. This is the complaint of Hashem. We saw it in another place, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I'm going to judge you for the chutzpah that you have by saying we did not make a sin. What did we do? I'm righteous, Rabbi. I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do that. And what about what you do? If we put it on a scale, the scale will break. Two or three good things he does, all his life he talks about the good. What about the millions of things you do bad? He forgot. He didn't pay attention. Then the Gemara continue. The Gemara says like this. Ki yotzer arim uborer ruach, the creator of the mountains and the creator of the wind. Umagid la'adam masicho. Same one who created the mountains, same one who made the winds, he is the one who is going to tell a person in the time of his death when the trial begin, Masicho, every beep that came out of his mouth for his entire life, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, doesn't matter, every beep he made since he was crawling on a rug as a baby, every beep, everything comes in front and they have to analyze everything. It was positive, it was negative, why he didn't do better, why over here you did it, here you promise, you didn't keep your promise. Ooh, you don't want to know. So the Gemara say, a slave, a servant, that his master show him all the bad things that he did. What chance does he have to recover from all his problems? The Gemara says, you may think that God will only show us the things that we say that relates to mitzvah and a sin. If it's a mitzvah or a sin. 
But everything else, it's not important. You ask your friend, how's the weather there? It's not a mitzvah, it's not a sin. You tell your wife, did you shut the light downstairs? No, okay, let me go. Well, what's the problem? You didn't do anything wrong, no? That's the chidush here. This is what the Gemara wants to teach. Even a little conversation towards you and your wife. You okay? Yes. You see it. What's the point? Not one word is dropped out of the trial. Everything goes there. Magidim lo la'adam bishat mita. In a time of death, it's all begin. We still in Masechet Chagiga, the Prophet Yeshayahu, Memchet, 48, this is what it says. You know, when you take silver, it's not pure. With fire, gold and silver, with flyer, you make it better quality. I guess there's a way to melt it and to clean all the dirt. I'm not an expert in it, but this is what it is throughout the Tanakh, the entire Tanakh. We know that to make gold good and shiny, it's with fire. Fire, also silver. No. So the, the prophet is speaking about it, but the Gemara asks, what does the prophet wants to say? Hashem was looking for all good traits. What gift can I give to the nation of Israel? What gift? aniut. He didn't find... Anything better than poverty. Poverty is the best gift we could give. Why? Why poverty is good? Who, are, who is closer to God? The poor people in the world or the rich people in the world? Go everywhere, all over the world. Go to Argentina, go to Buenos Aires, the fancy high society people, the ladies all naked. The people in business all full of corruption. You go to the villages, when the people live in small, tiny places, every corner a church. Every second word over there, Dios, gracias a Dios. You go to the Arabic countries, you go to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Bahrain, almost no one religious. You go Iran in a poor neighborhood, Saudi Arabia in all the village, Gaza, Jordan, all the poor, depressed people, their eyes is to God. You go to Israel, you go to the fancy neighborhoods of Israel, Tel Aviv, this, all the show of places, cannot find one tzaddik. You go to the places when people live, 10, 11 kids in tiny apartments, over there you have Irat Shamayim, synagogue, minyan, here, there. Yerushalayim, in the Bukharian neighborhoods, today it became very expensive. It used to be very cheap, because it's all very old, 100, 150 years old apartments. Poverty, it's hard to see anywhere else in Israel. Who is the poorest city in Israel? Bnei Brak. 99.8% Haredim, ultra-Orthodox people. Why? One of the rabbis, I believe it was Bardichov, somebody else could be, in Erev Rosh Hashanah, he gave a speech to his student, and he said, in the middle of my Shmona Esre, I saw a vision. I saw a vision. What vision? What vision did I see? I saw an angel begging God to give the Jewish nation each one by one lots of money, great wealth. Everybody got excited. Wow. Who is this great angel? 
Rabbi, Rabbi, who is this great righteous angel? He told them the angel of death, Malach HaMavet. So he wants to give us money? So of course, how is he going to turn you away from God? <laughs> if you say money, you forget about God. <laughs> you poor, you never forget about God. Even though today it's also not true. Some people, people also forget about God. But this is how it used to be. It turns that it's better not to have money than to have money. Even though I wish the wealthy people would understand that having money is such a great opportunity to make so many mitzvot much more than a poor person. Because a poor person and a rich person will sit a few hours in yeshiva every day. They, they make the same amount of mitzvot, same amount. But the rich guy can sponsor 20, 30 other guys with him. So every hour of the rich guy, it's like 30 hours of the poor guy. Why? He's making 30 other learns with him by giving money to the yeshiva or giving them money to come to learn. So automatically, what the poor person earns in an hour, the rich person earns 30 times more. If he sponsors a thousand students, so he does a thousand times more. And as I always said, if he sponsors tshuva, if he convinces, if he sponsors money, CDs, books, whatever, and make more people religious, that's better. Why? Because this is a long-term investment. Every individual that starts to learn Torah now, start getting involved, websites, CDs, books, every learning of Torah they will ever do, their, their children, grand, grand, grandchildren forever, goes to his account. So you can do so much with your money. That's why almost none of them does it. Why? Because it's such a bonus, such a great gift. Not everyone has the merit. Not everyone has the merit. And you see it, you see it, that usually in statistic, the poor people give more tzedakah than the rich people, percentage-wise. Yeah, maybe the rich guy gives thousands a month, and the poor person gives hundreds a month, so there's nothing to compare 200 to, uh, to 8,000, right, that this guy gives. But statistically, percentage-wise, the poor one gives a lot more. He gives three days of his life every month. Ten percent of his life he gives to other people. When the rich guy that gives seven, eight, ten thousand, for him it's two hours of work. So he gave two hours of his life. Who gave more? Who have a lot more left? So there's nothing really to compare. But reality, Hashem, look what came out of your mitzvot. What came out of it? You gave $1,000 and great things happened from it, you got lucky. Nothing came out of it, bad luck. You only get for the effort and for the actual mitzvah. What came out of it, sometimes zero. Sometimes zero. Depend, depend. if you checked well, what did you do with that? So the Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Menasya, what does it mean, me'uvat lo yuchalitkon? Something spoiled cannot be fixed. There are situations in life, you broke some, you have a machine, you broke one chip over there, that's it, you cannot close it. It could be a $10,000 unit, one little plastic that worth two, three, five dollars, that broke somewhere, that's it, the piece doesn't function because of it. Right? Uh, the wire, the, huh? So, you know, so, what, what's going on here? Sometimes, a person does something, and in reality, in the end, there's no way to correct it. But the Gemara wants to give an example, what do you mean? Let's see, what do you mean? 
a person went with a married woman and had a child with her. What's this child? The mom's there. There's no way to correct it. Why? Now this person regrets. And he wants to make tshuva. All his life, he's fasting, crying, giving tzedakah, praying for morning to night, learning Torah, begging God to forgive him. There's no way the mamzer is walking around, gets God angry. What are you going to do? Kill him? Not allowed to murder. Hire a goy to kill him? The goy is also not allowed to murder. So what's going on here? When is finally you have a chance that your sin will be erased completely? The day he died. What happened if he brought five other mamzerim to the world? And they brought another 25 mamzerim? They also want to have kids. A mamzer, a mamzer also want to have kids. In the old days, people wanted to have kids for the sake of God. Because he say, Purvu, get married. Many of the Chachamim didn't want to get married. It was up to them. They'll never waste time. Women now, house, being in a house. They wouldn't do it. They will live in yeshiva for the rest of their life, learning Torah nonstop. There was one like this. Ben Azai, his name was Ben Azai. No matter what, the Chachamim begged him to get married. He said, I can't. I'm addicted to the Torah. But they told him it's the first mitzvah in Judaism, to get married. He said, I know. I can't. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. I can't live without it. That's it. Forget it. What, what do you want? Hashkan afshi Torah. My soul is attached to the Torah so strong, I cannot leave it for one minute. I cannot be a father. I cannot be a husband. I can't. It's not going to be fair for the woman. No, so the Gemara say, Ben Azai is an exception to the law. Why? He's right. He's not lying. One minute you take him out of the Torah, he becomes sick. One minute. So what's the point? To get married and to be sick and depressed? That's not going to do any good for the woman, no? So he's dismissed. But from Ben Azai on, no one is in his level. No one can use that excuse. This is what the Gemara says. Up to Ben Azai, from Moshe Rabbeinu to Ben Azai, you're talking about 1,500 years. 1,400, 1,500 years. It was possible to find people like this. From his time on, no one can reach his level because every generation is lower than the previous one. So remember, if somebody comes today and says, I can't I can get married, I cannot live one minute without the Torah, it's not true because even someone like Rav Benzion Abba Shaul that told my cousin, that is, my cousin asked him which mitzvah the Rav cannot do. So he told him, I don't understand how can it be that you sit a few minutes in the bathroom every day without thinking about the Torah. I don't know how it's possible not to think about the Torah for a few minutes. So it shows you that he was also addicted to the Torah. He couldn't live a minute without it, but he got married. But the interesting thing about him, he had only one son, Rav Eliyahu Abba Shaul, that inherited the yeshiva and everything. And there's arguments how many miscarriages his wife had, between 8 and 15 miscarriages. Between 8 and 15, she get pregnant, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, man, whatever it was, psh, the baby is gone. You can see it's out of the ordinary. I always like to look at these things and to use it as a proof to the people that you see the supervision of God in every little thing. Not that it's a little thing, but you see, for instance, I met, I met one time someone that had... I'm trying to remember if it was 17 or 21 boys straight. 
Not one girl. Oh, so now, is it possible that by nature will, you will have such a thing? A person, his wife will conceive 21 times and all the time the same thing? Boy, 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 has to be at least one girl. No, what's the chance? It's not Shem's plan. Oh, sometimes you hear a person, only girls, 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 non-stop girls. Sometimes on and off, but... The idea is over here, every pregnancy, miscarriage, miscarriage, miscarriage. Who knows? I don't know. What do I know? We don't know. The plans of Hashem, nobody understands. Then, the Gemara say, what about stealing? You stole. Can you correct it? The Gemara asks. say, yeah. He returned the stolen goods and he corrects his sin. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, that's not me'uvat. It's not spoiled. Spoiled, Ela lemisha metukan mitchilato. Oh, what does it mean? To call it me'uvat, which means spoiled, broken, it had to be first fixed. It had to be perfect. Once it was good and perfect, then it can become spoiled. Something that was never perfect, how can you spoil it? It's, not, it's already spoiled, right? If you have a rotten apple and you put it in the sun and it became more rotten, did you change the status of the apple? Still rotten. It's rotten now. Anyway, nobody could eat it. Could eat it before. So he says like this: Talmid chacham aporesh min haTorah. That's called that's called meuvat lo yochalit kon. Someone that learns Torah for years and one day goes to business. His wife nudging him: Hey, how long are we gonna live in one bedroom? It's hard for me. It's hard for me. It's hard for me. One day he gives up. He goes to business. He makes money. In the beginning, he learned four or five hours a day, then three, then two, then one, then 15 minutes a week. That's what happened to them, to most of them. Until after seven, ten years from the learning, they, they forget simple halachot. They don't remember now, I, I came out this, what bracha, I moved to a different house, different room, what happened in Pesach, I forgot, I have to go, I check. Why? Slowly, slowly, they forget everything. If you don't learn, even the thing that you used to know very well, you begin to forget. One woman in Switzerland, they had 14 kids, her and her husband. Her husband learning in a kollel in Switzerland. We have religious Jews in Switzerland until this day. And, uh, you know, many years he's learning in kollel, and now the kids already reach ages of, uh, of marriages. 18, 19, 20, he's starting to... So his wife told him, what are we going to do now? We don't have a penny. Now we have to make 14 weddings in the next 14 years. Do you have a solution? How are we going to make 14 weddings in the next 14 years? Every year or two, a wedding comes in, in the list. What are we going to do? So he told her, listen, what, what makes you be under pressure? Because you're thinking now we're going to need about a million dollars, right? To marry 14 kids, to help them in the wedding, or to get furniture, to move in. That's the goal of every parent, to help their children to, to get established. So what are you worried? Up to now, 18 years I'm sitting learning Torah full day. We ate? Yes. We had a place to, to eat, to sleep, a house? Yes. We were able to move, transportation, doctors, whatever we needed. Hashem supplied us with everything we needed. Now we need a lot more than the average. Up to now, it was a few thousand every month. Now we need a lot more. Does Hashem have to sweat more to supply us more? He has any difficulty? 
any uh, obstacle. Wow, what, what's the problem? Up to now, he was able to give us, I don't know, seven, eight thousand dollars. But now, since he has to give us fifteen, twenty, because we have to make the payments of all the weddings, so it's going to be difficult for him. This is what we say every day in the prayer. And you give them the food. We praise God that He gives us the food, which means parnasah, everything that they need. In the perfect timing. Not when they want it. Everybody wants to have thousands on the sides all the time. Millions on the side. Hashem said, no rush. When are you going to need money? Three years from now, we worry about it when we get there. In the meantime, if you have the money on a, in your bank account, you're not depending on me so much. You have security. No, I want you to be under stress, under pressure. Same thing with a man. Could have given them a month for the whole year. No, every day for today. Every day for today. Same thing the Gemara said, Rabbi Shimon Yochai said, Why Hashem didn't give us the whole Parnassai since he, he decided on Rosh Hashanah? Every Rosh Hashanah, one shot, what you deserve for the whole year. Let's, let's talk about you next year again. No, why? You got a million dollars this year. Eh, it's nothing to worry about next Rosh Hashanah. What do I need Hashem for? I'm secure for a year now. Oh, let's rest. But since you do not know what Hashem is supposed to give you, every day you ask, please, I need, I need, I need, I need. The rent is coming. The mortgage is coming. The taxes are coming. That makes you connected to your father. You understand? The same thing as son. Son goes away out of the house. If he's a bad son, he goes to yeshiva or to school out of town. If he's a good son, he likes his parents. He calls every day, every other day. How are you, father? How are you, mother? But if he's a bad son, he's egoistic. He doesn't care. He stays there. He cannot even call for three weeks once. All he cares about is stomach and his friends and his basketball and his stupid things. When does he call his parents? When he ran out of money. Send me the money. No money. Your next money that we have to send you comes next week. But I ran out of money. From that moment on, the whole week, you're going to hear from him every two hours. Every recess. What happened? Ah, oh, good to hear from you every two hours. It's working. Ah, that's exactly how it works. So, the uh, Gemara says like this. The Gemara says like this. Oh, so I was in the middle of telling you a story about this uh, Switzerland. So the husband told her, oh, don't worry, don't worry. One day they get an envelope from the court of Switzerland. Invitation to come to court on that date. The, the, the letter doesn't say why. You have to be present in the court that date, 9.30 in the morning. Wow. Stamp of the government, of the court. That's it. Our life is over. Who knows what they found about us, what they want now. They got very nervous. You know, I don't have to tell you, two, three weeks he, he couldn't eat from fearing what's going to come now. Then he comes to court. The guy says, are you Mr. such and such? He says, yes. He says, it's your lucky day today, the judge told him. My lucky day? He says, yes. Do you know Mr. such and such? Some guy. He says, no, never heard of him. He says, yeah, I thought so. He's the richest guy in Switzerland. He owns many hotels, a chain of big hotels. And he died and he has no children and no relatives. And he wrote in his will that all his money will go to the family that is the largest family in Switzerland. And you, we check the record, and you and your 14 children 
with your wife are 16 members, you won the contest. You are the winner of hundreds of millions of dollars. Ah, you see? Now imagine, imagine if you would listen to his wife and go out of the yeshiva and go be a taxi driver. You think he would get it? They won't get it. You're going to make $100 a day selling Hashem for $100, and what happened in the end? You lose trillions, and you have no idea that you lost. That's the problem. So, it says like this. What about Rav Shimon ben Menasya say, Gonev Adam, kidnapping a person. It says, you can return it. Stealing a person, you can still return him, no? It says you can also steal money and return it. But making a child with a married woman, not only you made their marriage an old, you finished their marriage, there's no way to fix it. She's not, she's not allowed to be with her husband, he's not allowed to be with her. And the mamzer is walking around in Hashem Yerachem. Kol Talmid Chacham HaPoresh Min HaTorah, every smart scholar that learns Torah and left the Torah, what is it? Like a bird that's moving from one nest to another. That's how a person moves away from his place. Why? He loses his place in heaven. He had such a high level. Every month that he's not learning, he goes from this nest to this nest to this nest to this nest until he goes to the bottom of the bottom. That's it. Ma matzu avotechem bi'avel, Prophet Yirmiya says, chapter 2. Hashem said, what bad they found about me, God says, that they left me and went away from me. Give me a reason why my children left me, Hashem asked. What did I do? I didn't give them enough oxygen. I didn't give them enough water. I didn't give them enough food, clothing, cars, place to sleep, watches, uh, what? Money for this, money for that, whatever they want. Restaurant, that. What, what, what else they want? It's never going to end the list of requests. Amar Rabbi Elazar, Or Shebara Kadosh Baruchu Beyom Rishon, still in Masechet Chagiga, the light that Hashem made in the first day of the creation, you could see with that light the entire world. There's no limitation of vision. Such a special light. A person was able to see and see, see everything three so, through walls, three so, no limitation with this light, spiritual light. But since Hashem knew there's very bad generations are coming now, the generations with the flood, the Babylonian towers and all the wicked people, he took away that light. He said, this world doesn't deserve to have such light. 100% pure spiritual light. It's called Ora Ganuz. Ganuz means hidden. Why? Vayimna mireshaim oram uzroa ramati shaver. Vayimna mireshaim oram. Hashem took from the wicked people their light. Uzroa ramati shaver. And all the proud people were falling down. Velemignazo, who Hashem hid this light for? La tzadikim, la tid lavo. To the righteous people for the future to come. Genesis 1. Hashem saw that light that is great. Every time it says Tov, it refers to the righteous people. That's a pasuk in, in uh, Yeshaya Gimel. 
כיוון שראה אור שגנזו לצדיקים, when השם סוד, that light was put away for the righteous people, was very happy, שנאמר, in משלי י"ג, אור צדיקים ישמח. The light of the righteous people made God happy. Great that I kept that light for the righteous people. When Hashem created Adam in the first day of his life, he was looking with this light all the way. מהעולם ועד סופו, דברי רבי יעקב וחכמים אומרים, Hashem created the moon and the sun and the stars really in the first day, but he only hung them in the fourth day. How did we have light? In the first three days of the creation, that's the famous questions of all the atheists and all the wicked people that likes to find mistakes in the Torah. So they ask if the sun was created in the fourth day, how did they have light first three days? First, first of all, why did the animals need lights? Most of them were created in the end, in the end of the creation. The beginning was only heaven and earth, and Hashem started to make order. But that's not the point. The point was that the light was created in the first moment of the creation. But once Hashem put the sun, now we also have this, the light of the sun. Once he took the spiritual light, we left only with the sun of the light. Amar Abizutra Bartuvia, the world was created with ten different words, ten different sayings of Hashem. Wisdom, intelligence, da'at, koach, strength, Um, power, Musar, ethics, justice, judgment, mercy, kindness, all ten, ten different channels were mixed together into the creation of God. Now, time is running out, and I have two more lectures tonight, so may, I may have to leave a few minutes earlier, but this is what it says. Amar Ishlakish, there are seven different heavens above us, seven different heavens. We see one above us, but there's really seven. What are they? Vilon, Rakia, Shchakim, Zvul, Maon, Machon, Aravot. Vilon, what's Vilon? Eno meshamesh klum ela nichnas shacharit v'yotze arvit umchadesh b'chol yom ha'aseh b'reshit. That's the one we see. Morning, evening, day, night, nothing special. Rakia, שבו חמה ולבנה כוכבים ומזלות קבועים בו. All the astrology, all the movements of the stars. שחקים, שחקים, רחיים עומדות ותוכנות מן לצדיקים. The special grinders that grinding the man, the spiritual bread of God, preparing it to the righteous people for the future to come. Don't ask me what it means. For me it's just like Chinese, like it sounds to you. But just to give us an idea, there are many things above us, we have no idea what's going on there. Zvul, it's Jerusalem and the temple and the altar. We're talking all spiritual words, remember. It's different than us. Here it's all physical. Over there it's 100% spiritual. You have Jerusalem. Yes, we always, Chazal always use the word Jerusalem Shalmata, Yerushalayim Shalmata, Yerushalayim Shalmala. There is a heaven above us. Same thing what Jerusalem have over there, but in spirituality, without physics. So we have Jerusalem, no? What else do we have? We have the Holy Temple, we have the altar ready in its place. We have Michael, Sar Agadol, Michael, Sar Israel, the name of the angel of Israel. Omedu makriv alav korban bekol yom. Every day, Michael, 
is sacrificing a korban in that heaven which call zvul every day one time. Maon, kitot shel malachi asharet, millions of angels, omrot shira balayla, vechashot bayom ipne kvodam shel Israel. Those angels, it's like a choir, all day singing and praising to God in the fifth heaven. Machon is the sixth one. That's where all the snow and the hail and the water and the, and the tal, the dew that comes to the world, that's the source that comes from there. This is the treasure of God. You have two kinds of rain. You have the regular rain that you see clouds right here. And then you have special rain that comes. It's called the treasure of God. Once in a while, this rain comes from there. We cannot tell the difference between rain that comes from here onto there. And this is the rain that gives blessing to all the millions of trees and, and the plants and everything that we have. It's called, this is what David Amelech saying to Elim, uh, 148. Praise God from, from earth, uh, the crocodiles, the, the, the underground water, the fire, the hail, the snow, uh, the steam, the winds, the storms, everything that everyone that serves God according to his orders. And David says, and ask mercy for them, and Hashem brought it down. So, bottom line is, in the beginning of the creation, it was all in the fifth heaven. And then with David HaMelech ask, ask mercy from Hashem, Hashem brought it down to earth. Ribono Shel Olam, it says, Ki lo el chafetz reshata, you're not interested in wickedness. Tzadik ata Hashem, you are the most ultimate righteous, God. And, where you are, in your world, it's all pure, 100%, everything is 100% perfect. Aravot, it's another, the seventh one. Over there, it's the place of justice and judgment. Life, life of eternity, ginze shalom, peace, blessing, the souls of all the righteous people, the souls that are going to be created in the future, the do, the special spiritual do that Hashem will revive all the dead righteous people that died in history and bring them back to life, the tal, the do of Tchiat HaMetim. And he's beginning to give all the verses that prove how do we know what, what we have in each one of them. This is Gemara in Masechet Chagiga. This Masechet is very, very deep about mystical things. Obviously, I don't have time to cover everything. But just to give us an idea, there are seven different heavens above us. Amar Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai, the president of Israel, in the time of the destruction of the second temple, it says like this, Ma tshuva yishivato batko leoto rasha b'sha'a she'amar, e'ele al b'amote av edame le'elion. Nebuchadnezzar, the leader of, the, of Babylon, that came to destroy the first temple, he said, this is what the words of the prophet describe what he say, I'm going to go above the clouds and I'll be like God. That's what he said. The response of God was, Rasha ben Rasha. 
Not only a wicked, you're a son of a wicked. You're a grand grandson of Nimrod Arasha, King Nimrod in the time of Abraham, which was about 800 years before him. He's a descendant of Nimrod. That made the whole world rebel against God with the nonsense that he thought. We have many professors in colleges that teach, teach day and night against God today. But in his time, it was kind of unique that he was the one who influenced the whole world to have doubts in God and, and many other things. How many years is the average life of a person? The Gemara says 70 years. If Bigvurot, with extra blessing, 80 years. שנאמר, ימי שנותינו בהם שבעים שנה, אם בגבורות שמונים שנה. נגמר הסייז. From heaven to the first, from earth to the first heaven, I just named the seven different ones, 500 years of traveling. 500 years. From each heaven to heaven, 500 years of traveling together. And between all these heavens, on the top of everything, what we have? They have Chayot HaKodesh, angels that have images of animals. Face of a cow, that's what the Prophet said that he saw. You know, we have sometimes a, a picture of lions, of cows, of eagles, all kinds of things. The way those big angels are, that some of them are in one heaven and the bottom of them is in a different heaven just to show us how huge they are think about it it's hard to we don't we have no understanding about all these things and it says like this on top of all of them is the chair of hashem it's all analogies make no mistakes we're not talking about physical chair here and the legs of the chair of God and you have the nerve to say that you're going to go all the way up to God and you'll be like him <laughs> 7 times 500 years is 3,500 years of traveling just to get there and only you get to the legs of the chair of God which, is, which the legs the legs alone of the chair of God is bigger than the seven heavens together. Just the legs. And you, and you, the little puppy, the midget. It was a big, a very small midget. You have the nerve to come to God. Not only you won't come to God, He will bury you to Sheol, to hell. Measure for measure. You want to go up, we'll put you down. Four people went to Pardes. What's Pardes? Pardes is Pshat, Remes, Drash, Vesod. We, everything we learn is Pshat. We hear the information and we understand. That's called Pshat, simple way of learning. Then we have Remes, hints, secrets. Then we have Drash, all the secrets from beyond the scenes that 
you know, like Midrashim. And then we have the Sod. What is the Sod? Kabbalah. Kabbalah. The Sod means the secret mystical part of the Torah which only individuals are capable of learning. Not everyone can learn that. Four people went to that Kabbalah world, to the highest level of learning. Who are those four people? Which means they reach the highest level of Torah understanding more than any other human being ever live. Who? Ben Azai. Remember him? He didn't want to get married? No. Ben Zoma. It's another rabbi. We, we mention his name in the Agada of Pesach. Elisha Ben Avuya. You know Elisha Ben Avuya? Elisha Ben Avuya was the rabbi of Rabbi Meir Baal Anes. And later he became a wicked person. Elisha Ben Avuya. They don't say his name here. They call him Acher, a stranger one. After he went off the way, his head got messed up. He got to the highest level. Yeah, the Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva. Four. Amar lahem Rabbi Akiva. You have to understand, nobody in this generation or in the world in the last few thousand years have any idea what I'm reading to you. Don't think that I understand and you don't understand. Don't think my Rav understand. Don't think his Rav understand. Don't think anybody understand this. I'm just reading it to you, not because I expect you to understand even a drop of a percent. No just to show us there are so much above us that we have no understanding what's going on. Just to show us how small we are compared to the truth of God. So Rabbi Akiva told them, when you go to Avnei Shaish Taor, to the big rocks of marble, pure marble, be careful not to say the words Maim Maim, water, water. Why? Because Hashem cannot stand liars. Ben Azai, it's its vemet. Ben Azai went a little bit too much than his ability and he died. You don't play with fire. Ben Zoma, it's its venifga. He also went a little bit higher. He didn't die, but he got messed up. Acher, kitzetz banetiot, became wicked. Drove him crazy. He started to get messed up. That's it, went off the derech, off the way. Rabbi Akiva went peacefully and came out peacefully. The only person in history, besides Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu it was all a gift. It's a different story. Hashem chose him because of his great personality, and he gave him gifts. He's speaking to God. He's showing him things. He's putting a disc inside his head with the entire Torah. But Rabbi Akiva, remember, started when he was 40 years old. So all of us still have hope. <laughs> All of you, at least. So, he started 40 years old, but he lived until 120. So with 80 years of learning, he became the highest Jew in history. Because remember, Moshe Rabbeinu was, of course, the highest level, but there's a difference between Moshe and Rabbi Akiva. Because a lot of Moshe's ability was received as, as a gift. But Rabbi Akiva achieved everything on his own. That's why it's so great. Rabbi Akiva Yatsa B'Shalom. Okay, we finish for today.